This is the Bud Light Morning Rush Podcast. Stock up with Bud Light for game days and check out Budweiser's limited edition Copper Reserve. Please drink responsibly. They're going to run and get that boot. This game's still alive, and the Hawks have a first down. Who wants to talk football? It's Ronnie Wingo, number 20. Touchdown, Arkansas. They talked the bar. This is the Bud Light Morning Rush Podcast. You got yourselves another quarterback, Razorback fans. You have six total quarterbacks in that quarterback room. And I think at this point, you want the more the merrier because the more quarterbacks you have, the more competition it breeds, and you don't want to have anybody on this roster, any quarterback in that room, winning the job by default. And I think it's an important note here. Ben Hicks has one year immediately. That's right. Starkle with two years immediately. Mm -hmm. I think that's... It's big right there to, to point these two things out. And of course, um, Connor Nolan's a redshirt freshman at this point, trying to keep everybody's clear. There's six quarterbacks now in the QB room, counting Starkle. So just trying to kind of see how they're all spread out when, they're, when their eligibilities will run out. I think that's an important note. And it makes you wonder, is the real quarterback battle this year between Hicks and Starkle? And it's, how does Connor Nolan factor into this? I don't think Connor Nolan does. Well... I, I really don't. I think that this is a situation where you're. I don't know what he's going to do. I'm not going to sit here and try to say that Connor Nolan's going to for sure play baseball I, and stick with baseball. I felt like that. If it was me, if it was just me, that's what I would have done. I don't know what he's going to do. But by adding these two quarterbacks, you automatically have a senior and you have a junior. Yeah. And you have two guys with lots of playing experience. Obviously, uh, Starkle's got not as much playing experience, but playing at an SEC school in Texas A&M is very helpful, and of course, Hicks, we all know the connections he has with Chad Morris. I just wonder if Connor Nolan was not playing baseball, there was no time spent away from the football program down the street with Dave Van Horn. Would Nick Stark will even be here? I I don't know. I, mean, I don't know either. I find all of these things, you know, is, is Starkle another insurance policy, essentially? It's, I mean, all you know, and, and, and six quarterbacks is not like over the top. No, it's not ridiculous. Now, when we were first talking about some of these conversations, particularly with Ben Hicks, and that was before we knew Cole Kelly and Ty Storr, we're talking about seven, possibly eight, because there were other names thrown out in the mix, and that seemed like a bit outlandish, but we knew it would would all work its way out somehow. Six quarterbacks for the fall doesn't seem like it's way too many, because you got K.J. Jefferson still to come, Connor Nolan's part-time for spring or however this ends up working out and we're seeing it unfold here with a couple of practices but he's been tied up with with baseball just it has the feel to me that particularly Starkle is kind of an insurance policy but I think fans can get more excited about it because here's a quarterback that we can draw a direct connection to an SEC school a power five level and keep going down the list that makes it feel like, hey, this might be the guy. I think more people are going to get on board with Nick Stark because they're just more familiar with him because of his A&M tie. Yeah, and he has, here's his stats just to give everybody an idea. First off, he's 6'3", 218, so he's a good-sized quarterback. He's not one of these guys that are going to be uh, under six foot or anything like that. In 2017, he completed 60% of his passes for nearly 1,800 yards, had 14 touchdowns, six interceptions. In 2018, he did not play near as much, 15 of 22, for 169 yards, one touchdown, no picks. So really, that's your only body of work to look at from Nick Starkle, and we all know about Ben Hicks and, and what he's been added into the mix. But that really becomes the question 
for Razorback fans is because we all know when Ben Hicks decided to continue his career at Arkansas and we took phone calls, we had tweets and all that about how people felt about it. I think by and large, people are like, okay, I guess the familiarity of Chad Morris and his offense is great, but it doesn't get me going. It doesn't get me excited. It doesn't do what Kelly Bryant would have done if he was added to the mix. Now, I'm not trying to compare Nick Starkle to Kelly Bryant because I think we all can understand which one probably uh, wins out in that moment. But does Nick Starkle add excitement? Ben Hicks didn't necessarily do that, but does Nick Starkle add excitement? Does it give confidence to Razorback fans feeling better about the season knowing because we we know about the offensive line we've, we've talked about that a lot and we'll probably talk about it more today we know what they have at running back we know what the wide receivers they're very young but looks like they're very talented well we around him but does Nick Starkle alone add excitement does it make you change your outlook at least ever yeah. so slightly of the 2019 season I think that's really what's going to be the question here well if if Nick Starkle, Ben Hicks, Connor Nolan, whoever it is that's going to be under center in the pistol, shotgun, whatever variation you want to use here. If they don't have a better offensive line, a much improved offensive line, and a lot better performance at wide receiver, none of it matters. It does, I mean, again, we look at Ty Story and Cole Kelly last year, and we talk about deficiencies, but how much, how much of that? I'm not saying all of it, but how much of – their shortfall at the position was a re- direct result of the offensive line and the wide receivers. I mean, to it. say it was all uh, them would be totally unfair to Story and Kelly. Mm-hmm. And it will be the same story, Chapter 2, if that offensive line doesn't make leaps and bounds of improvement, and the wide receivers got to get off the ball and, and be playmakers. Both of those were issues last mm-hmm. year. There's just no getting around that. So... Before we can say, hey, you know, these guys are going to turn things around, we need to see some turnaround of these other position groups as well. Mm-hmm. And I think the hope in them, like, for instance, you brought up the wide receivers, and it was really bad last year, but there's at least hope in that that a lot of these true freshmen, these highly talented guys that are stepping right in, are going to be able to make a difference, which I think we all can agree that if you're a true freshman coming in, one of the easier positions to transition to in the SEC is probably a wide receiver. Mm-hmm. Just because of the athleticism, you can't coach speed. You can't coach hand. I mean, those things are just the things you need. As long as you got speed, hands, and the ability to run routes, you're going to be a great wide receiver. And I think it's a little easier to transition. The offensive line is going to be the problem. The offensive line is the thing that everyone's going to point to. And I'm sure that Nick Starkle and Ben Hicks are sitting there saying, "Okay, we'll see how this goes. Hopefully, it works out all right." But either way, it's going to be a mess. It's going to be something that a lot of people are going to look at and try to figure out how this can change, how it can make the team better. Because I'm sure that's how Chad Morris looked at it too. Chad Morris looked at this as saying, what situation can I put myself in? How can I make this team better immediately? Because I don't have time to mess around. I don't have time to go 2-10, and 3-9 and nine next year. I got to make drastic changes right now. And listen, 28 players have left this team, Tommy, since a year ago. 28 that's a ton of players, but it's not a bad thing. No, I, mean, and I don't think anybody thinks it's a bad thing. I mean, that's well. I mean, obviously, if you're just counting the 85, you can do the math pretty quick. Yeah, that. it's not quite half. But I mean, you, you think about was it now 115 you can have or 115 or 120 you can have total like walk that. on. 
we're talking about 25% of everybody on the roster, and they have preferred walk-ons and some of that, but you're talking somewhere between a quarter and a, and a third of the players changing. And this wasn't because you had a huge senior class, as you said. No. I mean, this was something that, obviously, Chad Moore steps in and is like, we got we to gotta well, move I, some things around, again, boys. I, I don't see this as any different than when new ownership comes into a business, nope. a new general manager comes into a business. We see it all the time in just everyday walks of life. Forget sports. I mean, if a new owner comes in and buys, just pick a business, you know, the widget factory, they're probably going to change quite a bit of management and employees and staff and get the people in there that understand the way they want to do business. This is no different. It just took, and generally they're going to wait some period of time. They're not going to do that day one, generally. They'll figure out who's on board, who's not on board, who's compatible, who's not compatible. That's what last season was about in a lot of ways. Yeah, and you didn't have a lot so, of compatibility. Well, I mean, everyone's worked in an environment where something like that's happened or you've been associated with a business where that's happened. No different here. Yeah. And this, and again, this goes back to why people have some hope in Chad Morris and what he's trying to do, is that he's not just waiting around and saying that okay, let's get a couple, let's make sure that we keep everybody nice and happy and friendly, and, and have a fun, fun-filled environment that everyone's just hugging each other. That's okay, that's great, but his job is to win football games, mm-hmm. and he knows that he came in here. He's like, I can't win with these guys. I, and it's not saying anything negative against them because it's just about fit a lot of times too. These are not the guys that are going to take me to next levels in winning. So I got to get my guys in that will help me do that. And in order to do that, a lot of times, I got to drop these guys. So it's never, an, it's never a fun situation to be in. But Chad Morris understands the sense of urgency that he's under right now. He understands that it, it, it's, it's do or die. You can't do what you did this past season, and you got to make drastic changes. And hopefully, hopefully... Nick Starkle can add something to the mix and to be able to add to the success that Arkansas is hoping to have in 2019. Follow the show on Twitter at HitThatLineAR. You're listening to the Bud Light Morning Rush Podcast. Now he does a tightrope back. Boy, Houdini's in the house. We're in number three, and nobody's home to watch that house. Touchdown, Hogs! Nick Starkle, the former Texas A&M quarterback, is taking his talents to Fayetteville. Will be a grad transfer immediately eligible, and he will have two years of eligibility left. So if he ends up being the starter this year, then next year he could be even better. And I think that's where the excitement for some people are. I just put the poll question out there because I know we've been taking a lot of phone calls on this as well. But I just put the poll question out there of does Nick the addition of Nick Starkle excite you for the 2019 yep. season? So far, 70% of you say yes, that he does excite you. Um, and I think that, I don't think it's, it would be the same level of excitement like Kelly Bryant would have been, because I know a lot of people had their hearts yep. set on that. But I do think that any time that you can get, and, and with the quarterback situation Arkansas is in, because there's no question it's dire. There's other dire positions too, like offensive line that we've talked about. We get that. But when you're in a situation that's so dire like the quarterback, and he added Ben Hicks, which was nice, not great, but nice, Getting somebody that actually has true, legitimate SEC experience from an SEC school, Mm, and he's going to be stepping on campus as a 21, 22-year-old guy that can create some competition, I think that that alone can at least excite you. I don't know if it's going to make him go from a five-win team to a seven-win team. I don't think that it's that level, but at least gives you confidence, at least knowing you have somebody on the field that has good, legitimate experience in the conference he's going to be playing in. 
Makes you wonder what happens here. Ben Hicks has got one year. Starkle has two seasons. You know, has this is this going to turn out to be a good move for Ben Hicks? Because I think this is going to be a very interesting quarterback battle to watch unfold ahead of the first game of the year and see who wins the job. If Starkle wins the job, and I'm all for whoever the best quarterback is should Absolutely. win the job. But if Starkle wins it and Hicks has one year, it's it's kind of a it's it's a it's a do or die uh, starter bust deal for for Hicks, right? He's going to be the Dalwell Loggins of the team, holding the clipboard. Well, I mean, so you've moved, you transferred here for what? I mean, there is no transferring again. What's mm-hmm. what's all this is found out? Yeah, I wouldn't. I mean, I, this makes you wonder about him because I'm sure he came here thinking I'm going to be the starter. I'm going to run this team for a year and see if that can elevate me into a to being a drafted quarterback or a shot at playing professional football who knows maybe. i don't know i think that's an interesting side story on all this so i think he may have come in and yep. that's again i'm not saying for sure what he wanted to do i'm sure he wants yeah. to play i'm sure he wants well, to start every, everybody does every quarterback <laughs> if he does not i don't want him here yeah, exactly but i'm sure he also sees it as an opportunity to maybe maybe he's one of those quarterbacks that wants to be some type of coach afterwards well, or something move into that role to where yep. he can at least learn from something i don't know so the other storyline coming off of this is connor nolan you know, obviously now with six quarterbacks in in the room, counting KJ Jefferson will be coming in, adding Starkle to this list. You've got Connor Nolan and Hicks, who we've talked about, John Stephen Jones and Dalton Hyatt. I don't think I left anybody out. I think that was six. You've got six guys in there. So what about Connor Nolan? We know he's playing baseball. Um, you know, I still am not convinced that Connor Nolan can't win the job on his merits. What merits? I'm just. I'm not. You. You're, you haven't. Conv- I haven't seen enough at this point to say that he can't go into a, a QB battle with these guys and just win the job based on being a football player. I, I just from again. This is just my opinion on it, and there's nothing against Connor Nolan. I just, at least from what I've seen, I, there's just nothing. Because the quarterback situation was so bad last year, it's almost like I don't even want to take anything from that last year. I don't want to take anything that happened during last season as any type of indication what will happen this year. But I. I just feel like. Connor Nolan and what they have on the roster right now and the upside of some of the guys they have on the roster right now, I just don't think that he'll fit in. I just don't see any place that he will be able to be a starting quarterback for Arkansas. Here's why I would disagree with that. And just knowing the high school program he came from, the coach that he had at, at Greenwood and Rick Jones, the style they play, the similarities to what Chad Morris is trying to build at Arkansas, the success he had on that. And I know that's high school. But the pedigree he comes from is right in line and, and right – this is the kind of quarterback they're looking for out of high school. And I just know that the way he was brought up, the way he was trained, and I know the success that other quarterbacks coming out of that system have had, not just at Arkansas but other places as well, I would never count out a quarterback with his talent from Greenwood, Arkansas, to to do great things. But don't you think? But Ben Hicks has come from a pedigree that actually had Chad Morris's system yeah. in place. I mean, you got a guy like Nick Starkle who in, saying, a, in Texas played in a similar style as well. What Rick Jones in Greenwood does, and I know it's high school versus the Southeastern Conference Western Division, but the philosophies and the base of the program and and the things you're trying to do, there's a lot of similarities there. Yeah. So, no, no, which I agree with. I agree that. You know, having the style, and of course, we all know that the pedigree that Rick Jones has at Greenwood mm-hmm. and the players that have come I, to I'm Arkansas. Saying, that's a reason enough for me to not count out Connor Nolan. No. It, but it's going to be difficult 
well, when you're not going through all the spring and mm-hmm. other guys are. And here's one another reason why I am counting out Connor Nolan. It's because I feel like if this coaching staff felt strong enough about Connor Nolan and what he was going to bring to the table, I don't know why they would be adding all these more quarterbacks. I don't know why they'd be going this well, route if they felt like really strong <laughs> of what he could do. You've been around coaches long? You have. You played high school football. I did, Coaches, yeah. by nature, are paranoid people, right? They're always afraid someone's going to be stealing their plays, watching yeah. the practice, stealing a film. And they're always paranoid about things like injuries and being left without a quarterback. Yeah. You know, I think from an offensive mindset, from a guy like Chad, there's just there's no such thing as too many quarterbacks. Yeah. Well, I don't think that. No, I'm saying I that. I mean, it just – I think if they have a chance to bring somebody in that can contribute – and can force competition. I think right now they're wanting to force competition in practice. And that's the issue is they just haven't had enough quality competition at too many positions, including quarterback and other places, to create the kind of a competitive environment to raise everyone's game. Well, you mentioned all the quarterbacks that they have now. Obviously, Hicks will be gone after this year, and then you'll have five quarterbacks, we'll just say, in, in the room well, after this you're year. you're bringing so, one in after that. Yeah, you're bringing one in after that. and you know, Six is going to be uh, somewhere around the number yeah. and then, for a while. And then you can't forget about the possibility of Chandler Morris coming to Arkansas, which I... I don't have any inside information, but it would just certainly look weird yeah. if a big-time, highly recruited player and his son went somewhere else, especially well, if it was like somewhere like an Auburn or a Clemson, where it's like, really? Well, he's their 2020 quarterback, it appears, right? Yeah. So he would be he's taking... He's their target. I think I got them a timeline in my math, right? He would be taking... Ben Hicks spot. Ben Hicks spot. That's right. So Yeah, so, you, so you're, going, you're going to be having... A full room of quarterbacks, at least for the come as far as what you're forecasting for the coming two or three years, for right. sure. And so, and and that's the thing too, is because you know a guy like KJ Jefferson, who has all the measurables for what you want in a type of quarterback that Chad Morris is bringing in, and he ran an offense that was very similar to it. They they feel very strongly about him. This is just it's, and here's the thing too, I think that goes and comes into play here is that at Arkansas and and, and the Razorback football team, if you think about it. Because we talked about this too when Tyler was on the show. When was the last time Arkansas had a legitimate quarterback competition? Legitimate. Not one that was just, oh, who's going to win it by default? Because you had, last year, I still don't think it was a true quarterback competition. But even before that, Austin Allen was the guy. Brandon Allen was the guy. Tyler Wilson was the guy. Ryan Mount was the guy. I mean, you're you're talking about going back to what, Casey Dick and Mitch Mustaine? I mean, it's been a long time. So this is a new thing for Arkansas fans too. But we're talking about six guys in the quarterback room. how many are really in the competition? Three, maybe four. For this year, yeah, I'd say two. Okay, I mean, and maybe three, just I'd in case three. somebody really comes along in spring and really does something. So you're you're already counting Nolan out. Yeah, if you, I, I, you I mean you're down to Hicks and Starkle. It's then. gonna be Hicks and or Starkle this this year. Yeah, yeah, it's gonna be between those two guys. I think that if you you can't go out from spring practice, I'm saying you got like four guys tops. that's really in. The, I mean, come August, how many guys are really in a competition for the starting? Well, John Stephen Jones, he's not he's not gonna right. start. So just throw him out. Dalton Hyatt's not gonna start. So right. I mean, those that's are two what, by elimination. Saying. Yeah, for and sure. I don't think KJ Jefferson as a true freshman is going to be a a starter. No, no, I don't think so either. Not as a not as a true freshman, but I, it wouldn't actually. I think he probably red shirts 
I think we all well, but agree you know that you too. play four games now and yeah go red shirt right 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 so but eventually I don't think he's going to play in enough games to not warrant a red shirt is I, my point so. I agree subscribe to hit that line on iTunes you're listening to the Bud Light Morning Rush podcast Gibbs to Alex Collins straight up the middle and Collins on the run they won't catch him Alex Collins is going to take it all the way to the house touchdown Arkansas eighty yards. Nick Starkle, the newest addition to the Razorback football team, has announced that he will be attending the University of Arkansas as a grad transfer, will be immediately eligible, and he will have two years of eligibility, which I think is a very important point in making sure that everyone understands that because people were, at least when the announcement was first happening on social media, that they felt like, okay, this is just between Hicks and Starkle, and one of them is going to get left out in the cold this season. But that's not the case because even if Starkle wins out, or excuse me, if Hicks wins out this year, Starkle could return next year and then be the guy too. So, I, you know, I don't know what this situation is going to play out, but I've always felt like that the more quarterbacks that you have, especially in a situation like Arkansas, the better because you want better competition. You want somebody to win the job because they're better, not because it's the default quarterback that you have to fall on. Mm-hmm. And having guys like Ben Hicks and Nick Starkle, where they have experience but different types of experience, Ben Hicks has experience at a lesser school like SMU, but played under Chad Morris and has a lot of familiarity of the offense and the philosophy and everything. Nick Starkle has experience at an SEC school in Texas A&M. Didn't play as much as Ben Hicks did at the starting position, but due to some injuries and obviously the quarterback competition there at A&M, there's a reason why. But still, both of them have things going for them. And we'll see how the talent plays out. We'll see which one of them are better quarterbacks. But at least in this situation you find yourself in, you feel like the quarterback room is better now than it was a year ago. And that's what it's about, is about improving every position. Could you say the quality of depth is better in that room? I think you can because you've got a quarterback that has played and proven himself to, to at least a limited degree on the SEC level there. I don't think people were too fired up about an SMU quarterback coming in and turning things around. But now you're starting to see a a vision, a little bit of a roadmap to how this could happen. Hicks has a year. Starkle has two years. Uh, We know about the other four guys that are in the room, including Connor Nolan, who's, of course, for the baseball team right now. Um, You can see at least what they're trying to what you think from the outside looking in, what they're trying to accomplish here. Yeah, and if you're you're a Razorback fan and looking at Chad Morris, you got to be appreciative at least of that because, again, I think the jury's still out on Chad Morris on whether or not he's a great coach. Because, let's be honest, as a head coach, he's only been at SMU and at Arkansas. And if you total up the years, I think it's, what, four total years he's been a head coach. Four four full seasons he's had Mm -hmm. head coaching experience at the college level. He, at SMU, got better every single year. But he went from one win to five wins to seven wins. And then at Arkansas, he goes two and ten. That's If you just take the body of work, that's not something that's going to get you excited about the prospects of whether or not he's a great coach. He came from a great program at Clemson where he learned under arguably one of the best coaches in college football right now, maybe besides Nick Saban and Dabo Sweeney, and you feel that there could be some similarities to Arkansas in a place like Clemson if they can just get it going the right way. So knowing that these additions are being added and looking at the bigger picture of Chad Morris, I'm not saying it's blind faith that people have in Chad Morris, but I think that they're putting their hope in a place that he can get something going even if it's not totally what Clemson has, but just something going that can at least be a 
portion of what Clemson <laughs> has, which Razorback fans would take all day long. Do you? I mean, do you really expect the? Does anyone realistically expect that what happened at Clemson is going to happen at Arkansas because Chad Morris is here? I hope not, because they shouldn't. But can it just be Clemson light? Because once you take that, what would that be? I think getting to the point where you're a perennial eight, nine win team every year. I mean, can it be that at least? I think it's possible. I'm not going to come out here and say that they're going to get to the point where Clemson is like winning national championships every other year. I don't think that's, I don't think that's realistic, but winning eight and then certainly winning nine means you're winning at least four and probably five in the SEC. Cause you got to remember after this year, this like, this this fourth non-conference game against a non-Power 5 opponent goes away. Yep. Because you're going to start playing the Notre Dames and the Texas and well, Oklahoma State's on down the road a little ways, but BYU. BYU coming. I mean, you, you're getting back into a Power 5 team. In, you're not going to win all those games. No. Some of those are road games. You you know, this, this reprieve that Chad Morris had with Michigan dropping off the schedule, which stunk at the time, but turns out to be a blessing in disguise has you know that that ends so to get to eight or nine wins just do the math you're gonna have to win in most years at least four obviously and then i think some years five sec games to get to eight forget nine it means you got to win six perhaps to get to nine sec wins mm-hmm. and if you look, and if you look, i mean just think about right. you're only going to lose two maybe three in sec play this program seems like in a different universe Light from that years. kind of conversation right now. I mean, eight or nine doesn't, you know, because we all remember the days of eight or nine. Mm-hmm. But just figure out how you're going to get there. You're going to beat five SEC teams. Who are they going to be? Yeah. Well, see, because and- you haven't had much success against uh, Alabama. You haven't had a whole lot of success against Auburn in most years. A&M. Had some. A&M, you can't figure out a way to beat. Mississippi State lately, you've only beaten them, what, once in five tries or something like that? I mean, so it's just Ole Miss seems to be the only team you got their number. Yeah, and that's what we look at is we look at not only Arkansas and the future that they have, <clears throat> but also looking at the other SEC West programs. And besides Alabama with Nick Saban, is there <clears throat> any other program that you just look at to where – you feel like Arkansas will never be able to be as good or be able to compete against them consistently, mm-hmm. besides Alabama. A&M with Jimbo Fisher, I still don't think that's going to completely work out, but they went 9-3 and three last year. They had a great recruiting class, so maybe they can get to the point where they're competing. But I know that we love talking about it, but I'm still not completely sold on Ed Orgeron at LSU. I'm still not completely sold on Moorhead at Mississippi State. I'm not sold on Matt Luke at Ole Miss. I'm not saying they'll be bad coaches. But I just feel like there's not enough there to say that why Arkansas can't. Can they can't. win their division? Mm. Yeah. Mm. But can Arkansas beat them, get their number? I don't see any of those other guys being able to beat Arkansas every single year. I, I don't see that being where it's like an Alabama where you're just well, going to be so far away from them that you'll never be able to beat them in talent and coaching and everything. How many How many out of five years are you going to beat LSU if you're Arkansas? As of right now? Two. Okay. And then on some of those years, you're going to be, depending on who your Eastern opponent is, it could be Florida, it could be Georgia, it could be some of these programs that are on the on the rise or at the top, like a Georgia already at the top. You have to play some of them. I mean, you just go to, you're not beating Bama, haven't beaten Bama since, what, 06 was the last time Arkansas beat Alabama. 
I mean, you just start doing the math, and you know, you're going to have to figure out a way. You're going to, in order to even scare eight wins, you're going to have to beat Ole Miss, Mississippi State. You're going to have to, you know, take care of A and M at some point. You got, you, you start going down. Where are you going to get the wins at? And you're right, those teams and A and M seems to be on the rise. You look at their recruiting class this year. Jimbo Fisher is A and M getting ready to jump into the same group with the Bamas and the Georgias and the Floridas and where Auburn has been more often than not. They weren't there last year. The LSU's and that top third, top certainly top half, but top third of the league kind of conversation. The problem is you end up playing at least three of those teams every year. Mm-hmm. Not saying they're unbeatable. Alabama gets beat, but are you in a position where you can win two of those games against top third opponents in the SEC? Not right now. I don't think so. Which programs scare you though? Besides Alabama, because they're they're the gold standard. But do any of these programs or any of these coaches? No, no, they're not unbeatable. But I'm just saying, out of five tries, how many how many wins are you right. going to get? I'm not saying you're never going to beat LSU. I mean, Georgia scares me because I don't know. Out of five, could you win one? I right now, I think Georgia's every bit as good as Bama. Mm-hmm. Week in, they week out. It. I mean, historically, Arkansas has not had a lot of success against Florida, and they don't play them regularly but they rotate on the schedule. LSU, you play every year. Recently, you've had less success against LSU on a regular basis. There have been times where that season, that series has been almost even, but it's not right now. Mm. Can you get back to that? But in order to get there, you got to get back to where it was for so many years. You beat the Mississippi schools almost annually, particularly Mississippi State, and it hadn't been that way. Now yeah. you got to deal with A&M. You beat Auburn more often and, than not. And for goodness gracious, you got to beat Missouri every year. Yeah. In order to Can't have, have a chance at getting back to eight wins. We're just talking about eight wins. Yeah. We're not talking 10. We're not talking 11. We're just talking how do you get back to eight? Well, do the math. You're going to have to win at least four non conference games. And then who are, who are you regularly going to beat? You better make it Ole Miss, Mississippi State, and Missouri for sure. Because it's not going to be Bama, LSU, and yeah, I know Auburn was off last year, but they're they're more up than down. And if Gus doesn't get them more up than down, they'll find somebody that will. You know, A and M's had your number. I mean, it just yeah. start doing it. You're you're going to have to figure a way to overcome these challenges. So the only way is to be as good as A and M, to be as good as Auburn. Yeah, I'm not saying be as good as Bama or be as good as Georgia. But you better be better than Ole Miss and Mississippi State. You better be better than Missouri. I feel like Auburn's is one of those teams that's one bad sneeze away from going 2-10. and Well, ten. the deal with Auburn is they're so much closer to the Atlanta recruiting grounds, the Florida recruiting grounds. It's just easier from a recruiting standpoint for them to have more shots at four- and five-star players just because of the geography. Right. just is. Yeah. There's no way around the where their school's located versus where Arkansas is located in relation to recruiting grounds. But if they fire Gus Malzahn after this year, say they did? We'll find somebody else. And then it won't be. I mean, this is the same group that hired Gene Chizik. So I don't I don't, know, I don't really know how that would play out. But either way. And all Gene Chizik did was win a national title. Cam Newton won a national title. Yeah. Gene Chizik had nothing to I do with that. I believe he's got the ring. Yeah, he will. He does. So does the trainer. <laughs> uh, either way. He did, he did get that, though. He did get a national title. Your number one source of local news and information you need. Like the Bud Light Morning Rush podcast? Check out the Halftime Pod at hitthatline.com.